Today's episode is brought to you by Five Line Designs. Bring your brand to light with Five Line at fivelinedesigns.com. Here at Five Line, we like to ask, what can we do for you? We're here to help you and your business grow from all angles. Whether it's building the voice of your brand, redesigning your assets, or building out a website, Five Line is here to help you step your game up and beat out the competition. No matter what stage you're in, whether you're just starting or you've been up and running for many years, make your next move your best move by working with Five Line. You won't regret it. Schedule a meeting to see what we can do for you today at fivelinedesigns.com. Welcome to the Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land. Thanks for joining us, Sean. How are you feeling? Feeling nostalgic because we're talking about <laughs> Rim and Blackberry today. All right. Yes. I'm the plug my BPM for this one. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Today we will be discussing and doing a case study of sorts on Rim, Blackberry, commonly known as Blackberry, uh, but known as REM also, which stands for Research in Motion. Uh, today we are going to, you know, just kind of go through the history, how it got started, you know, the journey, the growth, maybe uh, some of the setbacks in the history of the company, some of the criticism, their breakthrough moments, you know, things like that, uh, how it impacted our society and culture, and ultimately uh, what has happened, you know, to the company now that it's not in the public eye and we don't speak about it on a regular basis as we used to so all right and there might be some audience out there who actually has never heard of a blackberry depending uh, on how young they are right oh uh, man you know i did i did think about that i did think about that i didn't know how i felt about that I felt a little dated like you know yes <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bad feeling but it's it's true. Like, no it isn't true like wow some people may not know right all right so i guess let's let's just jump into the backstory first about it right um mm-hmm. so you know blackberry it's a Canadian company, right? Uh, they specialized in enterprise software and the quote-unquote Internet of Things, right? So originally they were known as REM, Research in Motion. Uh, you know, they developed the smartphone and the tablets and, and the BlackBerry phones, right? But mm-hmm. before that, before they became known for that, right, they were known uh, for their uh, software, software uh, skills and contracts that they were creating and working with for multiple companies and, and government corporations. So it was started by Mike Lazaridis and Douglas Fragan. They were um, the co-founders. They were both uh, engineering students at different universities. Uh, and that's the, the first start of the company. They were, uh, they were not classmates. They were just friends, but both engineers um, working on software, enterprise software, and so forth, right? Right. Oh. And it's a similar story, sorry to cut you off, it's okay. a similar story that we hear about, you know, Apple and, um, you know, IBM, kind of like two young guys who uh, who were in, in university engineering or in tech, and they kind of built their own thing. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very familiar beginning, at least. <laughs> right, right, indeed, right? So... I don't. I don't think it's really worth going to all of the software that they developed and worked on uh, for multiple companies. But just I think it's we can say you know they definitely were focusing a lot of telecommunications, a lot of uh, co- uh, connectivity kits and products for mobile uh, wireless technology at the time, uh, relating to phones, uh, converters, um, uh, point of sale solutions, 
um, terminals, uh, a lot of wireless communication. That was where they were getting a lot, the bulk of their money, right? That, right. Right. Um, what was interesting to me, I know we're not going to get into all the specifics. No, go for it, go for it, built, go for it. But one thing I thought was crazy to me was that, and I learned doing the research, is that they actually built a uh, film editing software mm. or, or a film editing uh, machine. It probably was hardware and software at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy because had they been, had they maintained their status in the mobile space and having that, you know, having the foresight of, having video editing technology way back in the 80s right. now that in mobile phones you know that comes in every iphone and that comes mm-hmm. in the samsung phones. so it's just just funny to me that they kind of were the first in a lot of places but that was one too so. right where they had a, a a sizable advantage and lead in that category right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so i don't know if i'm i don't might not have mentioned the year so they this company was started in the 80s right that was the early mid 80s that was the formation of the company so they were going and running for the 80s to the late 90s. And I think, you know, we do a jump from when they started uh, in the 80s um, working exclusively or mostly on software, um, you know, solutions and, and products and contracts and so forth. It led to ultimately around 1999 is I think where we can say they became, they broke through on the maybe a consumer facing side of things, right? Um, yeah, and I think it's the high-end consumer, right? It's right. not your everyday mobile user, which even in 99, your mobile <laughs> users were probably weren't compared to what it is today, but right. they were for your businessmen, your your probably your lawyers, your CEOs who needed to send out emails on planes or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, just high-end consumer for sure. Right, feeling, feeling extra important, right? <laughs> that, uh, right? And that came in the form of the BlackBerry, uh, the pager, right? So... You know, talking about throwbacks, you know, they were the beepers, right? And then the beepers, before the, quote, the, the introduction of smartphones, you had the, the beepers, you had the pagers. And the BlackBerry A50 pager was more I, the first introduction, really, of that keyboard, the pager that also had keyboard functionality. So you can kind of communicate back and forth with people as well who had that, right? Um, and it can also receive emails from Microsoft Exchange uh, Exchange Server, right? Using the complementary software, right? So that was, like you said, mm-hmm. the game changer. Uh, really, kind of put them in the forefront on that in that regard, as far as visibility for um, you know just communication and that consumer facing product along the way. Um, right. So then from there, you know, success keep moving they have the uh the business clients they, they're gaining market share with their business clients right that's when they just started rolling out with you know different iterations from the pager to the first i don't know technically the term smartphone was out then but the more developed phone that was really uh more advanced that took it was a phone it was an email you was able to do different functionalities as well uh you wasn't as reliant on the computer and no ways was it taken uh the place of the computer right but you can do some functionality and things around it that didn't require you to to pop that laptop the heavy laptop open everywhere you went right yeah right uh focused again business executives enterprises um and so forth and their selling point at the time was really that uh the security they were really focused on the security that was their main selling point of selling future use our phones use our email system our service uh, services uh you don't have to worry about being hacked sensitive data information is going is getting sent through uh we're sleek we're cutting edge 
Um, you know, but that was the main selling point. Be on all the time. During that time, so the late 90s, early 2000s, it was really just unrestricted growth, right? Um, you know, just crazy growth. Late 1990s to early 2000s, there was really no other competition in the market like that, right? Uh, they had the multimedia features such as the cameras. You had other phones that was out that, you know, but they were more consumer facing, right? You had, you know, people that just use the regular phones and can text and maybe some emails and then eventually the, the camera options as well also. But BlackBerry definitely was gaining that reputation of this is the phone for the business people, the serious person. And they also were able to like, um, I guess, uh, use their software, I guess you would say license it, maybe. Maybe that's not the right, correct word, but they would have, you could use BlackBerry emails on a Palm Trio, even though it was a different uh, right. manufacturer of the phone. So mm -hmm. they were kind of branching out and becoming a name in, you know, business mobile devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's correct as well. So you have a, I would say you would have a runway from around 1999, well, when they first had the first pager, right? And let's say till around 2007, let me say around, it's about eight year run, where there was really, when it came to that enterprise market business um, wave of just really not much competition. You had the Palm, you had the Trio, uh, was the Trio, you had these other devices, but it was really, you know, all about the BlackBerry, right? From that perspective. Right. Um, then you had, during that time, you also had consumer adoption, right? So BlackBerry didn't really consider the casual consumer their main audience at first. It was really focused on businesses and, and, and so forth. But around um, that time, uh, I'm not sure which year it was, but they introduced the BlackBerry Pearl 8100, right? Uh, I think that was 2008. I need to check my notes. But that was their first, you know, really consumer-facing product uh the trackball we all remember the trackball right <laughs> yeah it was revolutionary because you could glide through your phone so much faster than you know on your typical mobile phones yeah mm -hmm. uh, the trackball was very you know a groundbreaking uh thing uh that qwerty the qwerty keyboard was really that that game change as well that was like their defining uh feature of, of their phones the mm -hmm. keyboard the lower half of that keyboard was their defining you know that's what really set the game apart you didn't have to do all the um, it wasn't designed in the same way as a regular phone was, so it just, you know, it just, it lended itself more to computer, even, even though it was so small and very modified design, but, you know, it just gave it that cachet, right? Of, yeah. of not being the typical, uh, everyday phone for, used for everyday user. They had a consumer line, but it was really a low priority for them. They really, um, were focused more on the business and government contract end of things and, as the industry changed, the mobile industry changed and it became more of a consumer facing industry. Um, that's kind of what led to some challenges for them. Yeah, most definitely. So during that time, you know, the majority of their contracts was government and company enterprise. I will say, you know, when I first got into the industry and started working and just seeing how, you know, you, you start a job and you get the work phone, you get that BlackBerry, and, and you know, they, IT has to set it up. And then you had two phones. So you would have your own <laughs> phone and then this BlackBerry phone. And that was the standard issue approval. You get your, you know, your, your, your work badge and your, and, and, your, and your work phone, which was the BlackBerry. There was no room for flexibility. You wasn't changing that. You, there was nowhere. There was nowhere else, right? 
Um, yeah, and kind of it was optically, it was kind of like a badge of honor almost. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's a professional. He has a BlackBerry, you know? Yeah, yeah. It def- oh, definitely. Oh, we, we can definitely touch upon uh, the, the mental uh, uh, impact that it had on people, you know, especially people who are very career-oriented and focused, you know, on, on coming up. So, you know, you come into a company and, you know, it, it, it became... It became, you know, it was a hierarchy. Who is worthy of a BlackBerry work phone? <laughs> Who is it? Very much so. Right? Yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah, that was, and it was a weird dynamic. It's like, oh, he has a BlackBerry. They, mm-hmm. they must value this this particular employee. <laughs> exactly, know? exactly. If that was the case, you knew that. In a weird way, it was it was showing that the company was committed to invest. They were investing in you for the long term. We got you a BlackBerry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know. Things is going pretty pretty smooth, you know, and and we can talk about the revenue. The cash was phenomenal. A lot of cash reserve, uh, profits. It, you know, it, it was it was a can't lose situation for the most part. You know, I mean, yeah, they were making billions, so, <laughs> yeah, and, and at least some revenue. Yeah, um, you know, they had seventy, uh, you know, uh, nine million users at one point. I mean, it was the subscriber base. It, it, it just they would continue with continuous growth, you know, it just didn't seem any, uh, any point of letting up or slowing down anytime soon. But then as all, you know, the bigger you are, the, the, the harder it can be for you to become nimble and, and pivot, uh, and react to market changes. The most cited or widely cited points of change for BlackBerry, uh, usually is around 2007, which is the, and that's the introduction of the iPhone, right? Right, right. So I will say for me, I don't necessarily think that was the key moment. I mean, it was a pivotal moment. The introduction of the iPhone was a pivotal moment in regards to uh, competition and you know market share for for Rim, and and we can get more. We're going to get more into it. But for me, that I remember when iPhone came out in two thousand seven. I remember, I remember it being very limited. It was very limited. Uh, you can only get it on singular, right? That was so. If you didn't have a singular phone or a service plan, you couldn't get an iPhone. Um, and and it, and in regards to the functionality, it was it was it was it was not the BlackBerry killer. <laughs> you know his you know uh, history. You know we romanticize about things in hindsight, but for me, I don't feel like that was the main point. It was a I would say it was a point that made a lot of people reflect and say, oh, what's going on in the industry and acknowledge that the industry is changing. But that 2007 introduction for me doesn't really represent the end of BlackBerry as a phone maker for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Because at that point in time, you know, it was a new product. People, I remember, were, and I don't want to get too much of a tangent about the iPhone because it's about BlackBerry. Right, 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 right. right. But people were very, very wary of the whole touch screen thing right they were mm-hmm. like well what if i drop my phone you know mm-hmm. so that was a lot of the um and then i think you said singular but was it, it was at&t at the time i think because they had bought singular right okay yeah, or, yeah, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so i think it was the at&t yeah. exclusive all these mergers and, and was one of that <laughs> right <laughs> um and at&t was one of the higher um premium um phone services that you could buy you know verizon at&t were at the top of those uh list where you know your t-mobiles and your sprints were on a little more affordable end so it was an exclusivity to that and within the consumer market too so so yeah i agree with you 100 percent like apple the iphone it wasn't 
BlackBerry Killer, but it changed what the market, it started what the market would change into, and that's really what kind of killed the BlackBerry, I think. Agreed, agreed. So, yeah, so without making this the Apple episode, because it's about REM, but, you know, we can't talk about REM without speaking to the impact of uh, Apple to the overall smartphone market. But even when, yes, when the Apple phone, iPhone did come out, you know, everybody, especially the business people, because uh, they laughed at the price, $500 for a phone. Nowadays, $500 for a phone is a deal, right? Um, right, uh, that's a deal. You know, um, and just saying how it wouldn't appeal to business people. So I think uh, around that time with the introduction of these new phones, along, along with the Android market, I think it was really a matter of, um, you know, being drunk off your own success, right? Not really taking your competition seriously to an extent. And in hindsight, we can all point to the missteps. But if you're in the moment, I can definitely see why you wouldn't take that competition seriously. Um, you are raking in cash, hand over fist, continuous growth. Like, you, they were still growing up until, like, 2011 like still continuously aggressively growing right so it yeah. wasn't like oh we're losing market share it wasn't like oh you know it's eating into our profits they were like okay well you're in the market fine we're still in here too um and we're still doing us right so we're not going to really take you guys seriously um and we're working on our own deals being drunk off their own success blinded them in the ways that they should have uh been a little bit more innovative in seeing where the industry as a whole was going and and people's and consumers' behavior. I would agree 100% because they were very focused on continuing what works, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. We're a, we're a, uh, we're not really, and I'm not going to classify them as they didn't care about the, the regular consumers because they, like you mentioned, they created products that did compete with iPhone mm -hmm. and did compete with uh, the Google devices, the Android devices. Yeah. But there, I don't know that they ever thought iPhone would take such a iPhone and Google would take such a big percentage of the market share. Right, I don't right. think they ever foresaw that. Right, right, and you know, and let's, we can also talk about the BlackBerry environment and what led to their decline as well. You know, this it was a very closed environment. You know, you the same thing that. So that they sold as a feature on why you would want to use them, such as the security and encryption and, and things like that, keeping it in a real closed environment also led to people leaving them because it wasn't as an open environment. Whereas you had the Android environment, you had the Apple environment, they were more open to letting third-party developers create and put stuff on their Apple Store or Google Play Store. Because BlackBerry wasn't as open in that regard. So now to move on to Google a little bit and how they kind of outmaneuvered them, right? Didn't mm. they kind of have a, a wider range of manufacturers that had their operating system on their phone? So, you know, yeah. you could get a Google phone that was a Sony or HTC. I remember I had the HTC Touch Pro forever. Mm -hmm. So LG is probably on that list too. So mm -hmm. um, there was more manufacturers out there that were taking the Android software mm -hmm. so that's another way blackberry was kind of not ignoring their competition because it's like all the manufacturers around you are creating this uh are, are working with google mm -hmm. and you're kind of in your own silo yes you're winning in your silo mm -hmm. but you know the wolves are all around you so yeah <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it the wolves were circling the wolves were circling you the biggest you know 
big piece of meat on the block and the wolves are circling and you're still content. I just felt like, you know, they were content with just with what they were doing and felt like no one was going to come for them, right? Or could come for them and not really looking at the uh, overall landscape and how things was changing, you know? I One thing I will, you know, I think was a good strategy or, you know, was the founders, they stocked up on a lot of money. They kept a lot of cash flow going. You know, they had a lot of operate, a lot of room to operate with and, and just kind of, Apple has a lot of cash on hand. That was BlackBerry. That was out of BlackBerry's uh, similar playbook where they just had so much cash on hand that it allowed them to not really, you know, to their own demise, not really allow them to be too worried. Like, hey, we have a, a lot of run or runway. We don't need to move as fast. We don't need to be as reactive. They were not trying to uh, be reactive and seen as a, hey, me too, Mr. Me too type scenario uh, company as well, considering where the changes in the landscape was turned, was, was heading towards. It did gain a lot of popularity among regular consumers, like day-to-day -day people. So they did introduce the phones into the market uh, and, you know, high adoption rate there. So, you know, even if you wasn't a business person at a certain point, almost everybody had a black Blackberry at one point. And of course, the famous BBM messenger, right? Uh, right, that, right. That, that, was a, that was a moment. That was a moment in, uh, in the smartphone technology history. Uh, history. You, you had your Blackberry, what's your BBM pen? Let me add you, let me, you know, hit you back. That was, that was the precursor to the, uh, what is it on I, the iMessage? Um, WhatsApp or well, I mean, it's any of those messages, right? iMessage, WhatsApp, right? Um, group me, like all of those, all of those, but specifically to that phone, right? So I remember when mm -hmm. that was going on for a quick moment, there was a blip where there was a BBM BBM app messenger uh, available, and a lot of people just downloaded it for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> and they like <laughs> for their pens, you know, just to relive those days. But you know, that was a big uh, feature for the consumers. You know, I don't want to text you, just do that. And ultimately led to the terms, you know, the, the high usage of that phone. Everybody was addicted to their phones. It became known as the Crackberry, right? Uh, I need yeah. my crack. I need. I need to get my phone. It, it was really. It was, you know, precursor to how we. Uh, use our smartphones today. So in 2000, around 2010, is they had about 37% of the American smartphone market, right? And then that's when it started to decline. Uh, Apple uh, finally surpassed uh, BlackBerry usage in April 2011, which was, you know, less than a year later, right? Burn. So that was the turning point around 2011. And then from there, uh, it was a continuous decline, slow decline, right? Uh, Apple, Apple acceleration, Google Android acceleration with their strategy as using multiple uh, manufacturers and allowing them to just build on top of their operating system as well. And then ultimately, uh, towards the late 2010s, um, just kind of flatline. It went from a 37% share of the u.s smart uh smart market to zero percent like zero less statistically they had maybe a couple hundred thousand users but uh that translates to zero percent of the market 
one of the business lessons we learned is like iteration, right? And right. like, you know, your first product is never your best. Right. And it's always creating, you know, different iterations of your product. Mm-hmm. Um, from every, from all the research I've seen, that was kind of, their iteration process was kind of part of their, that downfall. It mm-hmm. was, they would take too long to develop a new product right. that can compete with the new uh, phones in the space. Mm-hmm. And they lo- and they lost that way. They, the other phones surpassed them in what the users wanted. Maybe not, I, necessarily in what they traditionally offered. They probably stayed true to what they traditionally offered and built on that really well. Right. But in terms of what the market was dictating, they fell behind. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you. You know, when I when I look at a company like Rim and, you know, we can go through all the nuances and and can circle back and, and cherry pick what they did wrong or what they could have done better. But I do think out of all the businesses that we've discussed so far that we've talked about, that we've learned about. It, I think not understanding your market and not being willing to change and, and innovate was their, probably their biggest downfall. Slow to respond, slow to react. I've, the, the success made them more stubborn to change, right? Sure, sure. And I, I got to say, I was thinking about it, and I wasn't going to say this necessarily, but as we're talking about it, I definitely think it's true, and you can tell me whether you agree or not, but... I think the culture of work changed too in that time period. Oh yes, yes, and, yes. and it wasn't just the CEOs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the the accountants who needed who were on demand all the time. Mm-hmm. It was everybody who had an email address who had a job. Mm-hmm. We had this culture of twenty four seven work that we just now are starting to break a little bit with this with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. But even but even for some people with Zoom and everything, it still feels like they're on the clock all the time. So right. I think that started to happen in the United States culture specifically, where you're always on the clock. You always need to get in touch with you and all these other devices recognize that and they started building email and all and all the things that blackberry um perfected and Mm -hmm. got made their name off of they started building that into their software into their devices and that culture shift of working 24 7 really kind of hurt them where you think it would help them because they're the leaders in that space but everyone else had to compete now so it, it hurt it hurt them a little bit i think Actually, you know, that is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually one of the notes I made as well. But yeah, the culture of work changed, right? And you got to think about this. A lot of businesses at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of uh, variables that they're trying to balance. But one of the variables is cost. It's cost, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The investment to set up, buy buy the BlackBerry phone, set up these networks, set up an additional phone line, all of these things, right? just to be able to email and call that person along with while that's happening you also has have the rise of the smartphone market as a whole Google um, Android you know uh, LG all these other carriers uh, uh, hardware companies and carriers are coming out with their own smartphones so now you know your employees are working walking around with two phones right and then you start looking it's like well can't we just all put it on one phone right like the cost right. the cost benefit of an employee using their phone, you know, hey, put your work email on that phone. We'll give you a little credit. You know, we'll contribute to the phone bill. Um, some did, some don't, but you can expense it. Would still be, uh, from a cost perspective, be better than having a whole uh, exclusive contract with another phone carrier provider for these devices, right? Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that was a big impact as well. And like you said, the culture of work. Now... Uh, you know, the culture worked all of its own 24-7. It just lended itself to that. Why are we going to still keep doing it? Now, um, 
I will say at the at the end of the day, these other companies they knew they were going to have to crack into the enterprise market, but I think it was strategic to say, well, we can't crack them right away because BlackBerry was so big um, or Rim was so big. Let's get the consumers first, and then they are going to help advocate for us within these companies. Right, right. So you had, you know, your employees. This, I mean, this is a real life example. Right. Um, from from when I was working, you know, employees would be like, "Well, can I get a work iPhone instead, or can <laughs> I get a work, you know, whatever instead of mm-hmm. BlackBerry?" Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. Now you had the consumer base growing around the enterprise base, mm-hmm. so they're almost pressured to adapt. Right, right. That you now you have you know, real live advocates outside of the sales reps trying to knock on the door and things like that. And I will say also, there's a lot to be said, especially in tech around uh, continuous updates and reinventions and things like that. Whereas BlackBerry, they were just slow to market with their updates. They were slow to market with their updates. They were slow with their new models. And, you know, a year or more than a year is an eternity uh, when it comes to consumers, and, and, and technology and it was just it was it was slow but outside of the slow to put out new models I really think one of the biggest misses was just not opening their platform to third-party developers and by the time they did open it to third-party developers it just became a slow too little too late now where, where does that leave Brim and Blackberry now you know they they are still around they're just not known for phones and, and doing any phones you know at, at one point they stop making phones altogether and just basically license their brand and, and software to other cell phone manufacturers. Um, you know, they just completely got out of it and they more or less have reverted back to what got them there in the first place, which is uh, software, right? They, you, if you was to go to their website now to see what they're about, you, if you were, is it, if this was your first time uh, hearing about Blackberry and what they're about, if you was to go to a site, their site, you wouldn't really be, you wouldn't be aware of their history, their rich history of, of being a smartphone provider and pioneer in this industry. They really are now known for uh, secure um, software and working with multiple devices and companies on their devices, such as smartphones and tablets and things like that. But, you know, really, it's more about security than, uh, smartphones and, and, and products of, of that environment. It's unfortunate that because of uh, a few missteps and short-sightedness on the side of management and the leadership throughout the time that they couldn't still be relevant and compete in the smartphone market, however, they, they, they still was able to say, okay, we're still a viable company. We just won't be known for what we were known for in the past. And to an extent, I, I do think that's okay. I think that is okay, especially since you, you think about it, for a good 20 years, they were a very successful company doing what they do now, and nobody heard of them. When we first discussed doing this, and my initial thought as a consumer was like, oh, that was a, it was a fail, they failed. I, 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 that was my initial thinking. And then as I started doing more research, it's like, well, no, I don't think it was a failure. As a company, they had a failed product line. They dropped the ball with a specific uh, product line, but they were still mm-hmm. able to remain a very successful and viable company overall. It's just that as us as a regular day-to-day consumer, they're not in our daily vocabulary anymore. Right? Absolutely. I, like, they're not blockbuster video, right? right. Blockbuster video <laughs> exactly. film yes. the business. Uh-huh. In some ways, it's a return to their roots. You know? Hmm. Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it because, yeah, they, they 
it was that big rise mm-hmm. of the, the the BlackBerry and uh, the smartphones that got them into the public domain. Mm-hmm. But before then, they weren't really a household name. Right. And now they're not really a household <laughs> name, but they're still, you know, doing their thing. Right. So, yeah. It would have, you know, you can always talk about the what ifs. Uh, what would have happened if they were early to adopt uh, some of these uh, strategies that we say they should have? I think really, one for me, I think the biggest miss might have been um, just opening their their platform to third party app developers. Again, don't know for sure if that was going to uh, necessarily change the game for them, but I think it would have, you know, at least given them a little bit more shelf life and. The, the the reluctance to, you know, their keyboard was definitely a game changer, but then their reluctance to move away from that keyboard in their designs is also, you know, the thing that kind of kept them behind as well, you know. So those are my, those are, those are my two uh, what-if scenarios. What if they just would have been open to that? What would the landscape have looked like? Now, I want to get your opinion. Um, what do you think about a Canadian company? Because that's what it is, right? right. It, was, it was on Toronto Stock Exchange. It's yeah. a Canadian company kind of taking over this space. And traditionally, like, you know, it's either an Asian company or an American company in this tech space right. in, in, in those top uh, those top spots. So I don't know. I thought that was a little interesting as a um, as a, someone with dual citizenship. I kind of had a little bit of sense of pride in reading some of this. Like, okay, they started it. Canada, so I'm just curious what you thought about that aspect of it, and you know they had to even they had to get FCC approval to even sell their devices in the United right. States. So it's just another hurdle that they had that we're not really you know that isn't really discussed. Right. So you know I'm actually glad you you brought that point up because it's just like right now it's easy for us to reflect and talk about you know it's always easy to criticize from the outside right and we don't know all the intricate details and what goes on behind the scenes right we gotta allow some some room for grace and just understanding like there's a lot of behind the scenes things that we just didn't know or be or are aware of one yes being a canadian company who knows all the regulations that they had to go through all of the you know approvals and and whatnot patents you know how does that look across uh international companies right international borders what does that look like i don't know the fact of the matter is i don't know they may have said you know what it's not worth it anymore we, we had a good run. Let's close up shop and go back to what we know and what we do, right? Um, I don't know. And yes, when you're not in that environment where most of these companies or the ecosystem is are at it, are located, it can it will put you at a different advantage, a different perspective. I will say though, I think now it's a little bit different because we see these other companies that are big tech companies and they're not necessarily based in california or an asian-based company you got companies like shopify now which is a canadian-based company which is you know one of the tech darlings you got companies such as um mailchimp I believe mailchimp is based in uh atlanta you know so i don't know was it a factor with without question especially you're talking about 10 10 years ago right mm-hmm. was it a factor yes how big of a factor? I don't know, but it definitely probably paid, played a, a huge part, as well as the Canadian, you know, culture, what that culture is like, which I'm not fully aware of what the Canadian culture in tech and business is like either. You know, I don't really have a specific um, outlook for them. What I do like, and this just, I think this speaks more to my personal temperament, you know, 
I like that fact that they're like, we just going back to doing us and we going, we're going to make money, right? Like, on a low, we don't need to be a household name, right? Uh, we don't need to be in the limelight. Well, in a lot of ways, they were forced out the limelight, right? So it's not like they just chose to get out. But, you know, software, software de- development and security, encryption, uh, you know, for multiple platforms, it's it's a big industry. It's not going nowhere. So as long as you stay innovative and stay on top of that and maintain those good relations and the clients and adding more features um, and products to the line that will help your customers and gain new customers, you're really going to be in a good space at this point. Uh, and as we speak to the, the way the, the climate and the world has changed because of COVID, where now more than ever, this is just you this is a way of life for the majority of of businesses uh small to medium large scale businesses there's no going back so i think they're well they're positioned very nicely to still to capitalize off this growing market yeah and then one last thing i wanted to ask you about was and we're talking about kind of how the culture changed um you know september 11th was a big day obviously it was a tragedy but it was a big day for blackberry in terms of um, you know, mobile communication was down. People couldn't uh, call people on cell phones. Mm-hmm. But BlackBerry, with their short burst like text technology, mm-hmm. people were able to communicate and tell people they were safe. And you know, that was just a big win for them. You hate to call nine eleven a win for somebody, right? Mm-hmm. But that was a win for their technology and 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 their their uh, their software and their hardware in that specific instance because um, BlackBerry was the most reliable uh, device on that day for people. Right. Yeah, I mean, like you just said, you, you would hate to associate a win with a tragedy. Um, but comparably, that's, I guess, similar situation that Zoom is in right about now, right? Like, Very true. Yeah, yeah, very true. There is opportunity and tragedy for some businesses, you know? So for sure. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a wrap on this week's episode about Research in Motion, also known as BlackBerry, one of the major pioneers of the smartphone industry. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.